listen, it's about how many people we can convince to play D&D on a virtual tabletop with an AI DM. That's all it comes down to. How many people will pay for that service? Yes. Because that's the future, baby. That's, that's the future. That's what they're looking towards. I promise you. <laughs> this chat GPT stuff, I don't know about you if you've like used it at all. I have been using it to help me prep for D&D, and it's genuinely helpful. Oh, I have I have not come anywhere close to touching that. It is yeah the biggest it's, it's... talking point about like in in the advertising sphere on like LinkedIn and everything and even class. Yeah, like, it's like a oh is copywriting dead? And I'm like, hey man, I just got into this so I could get a fucking job. Like if you're <laughs> like don't even I, I don't want to hear first that day shit out here. I yeah. don't know, brother. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like I haven't even gotten a year into this program. All right, let's let's. Keep it down. I want to stay away from that shit. Turn the whole goddamn <laughs> thing on its head. That's absolutely mm. right. Yeah, set G- chat GPT to no. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Cast Without Trace, a podcast without a trace. I'm Dunk, they, them pronouns. I'm Jason, he, him pronouns. Uh, Dunk, this is the first time that we're, we're recording on the same day that UA drops. Um, yes. It's also, I think, for a very long time, the shortest gap we've had between recording <laughs> sessions. Because it's really only been a couple oh weeks God. since I spoke to you last. Uh, which often we will go months without even sitting down and talking about recording a podcast. So um, hopefully we can get into more of a, of a, of a consistent swing of things. Hopefully, uh, I know yes. we, we, I think we have said that like every single time we record, but yeah. maybe this is the one. Maybe now we're finally getting there. Yeah, maybe now D and D content is is spiraling forward in such a like trajectory that we need to be able to record more often to keep up. Yeah, I mean, so just to keep, I guess we can kind of bring people up to speed. So there was the whole open gaming license thing that put a pause on the ua for one D. um so it's been a minute since we've had something to talk about for like the next edition of dungeons and dragons um uh, obviously we, we did not speak very positively about wizards of the coast in our last episode of this podcast and um, we still think, aren't going to <laughs> right so like we're still we're obviously still offering criticism on the ua for one D because that's what they're asking for. Um, mm-hmm. So we will continue to cover whatever they come out with in terms of UA because, to be honest with you, I am still interested to see the direction that Dungeons & Dragons goes in, even if the company that's running it is morally questionable. Does that? Do we agree? I don't know if there's any question about it. <laughs> I, I, I guess that was a generous way to yeah. phrase it. <laughs> morally corrupt, maybe. I don't know. Listen, um, okay, let's, let's, let's phrase it this way, okay? There are people working on these documents and these books who are victims of the company that they are working for, and it is still worth talking about the hard work they are putting into the book and the the the, the new rules and the new system, even if the company they're working for is uh, overall an evil corporation that should be dismantled. <laughs> does, exactly. is that fair enough? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess here's here's what we'll we'll say. Maybe like, or at least here's what I'll what I'll say to this. Um, just because Wizards of the Coast is lawful evil uh doesn't mean that we're going to kick them out of the table mm-hmm. in our gaming um That's but right. i mean it also means yeah. that maybe we don't have to be buying this stuff anymore <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah we can just and, you know steal it the, the ua is free so we'll we'll look at it for now uh yeah and then when the when the 2024 players handbook comes out um I'm pretty sure that's there also will be, be ways to access that without giving money to Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro. Yeah, um, unfortunately, the tro—I don't know if the trove still is down and doesn't exist. It had—it was the last time I checked, but um, there are other places to definitely um, find your resources. So, um, yeah, we'll find it. Yeah, yeah. We'll People it. are resourceful. That's what it comes down to. Yes. Um, so new UA dropped earlier today as we're recording this. Um, the bulk of this, it's it's another 30-page document. We kind of thought, last time they dropped it was just the cleric and then a couple of races. Mm-hmm. Um, or, sorry, um, what are they calling it now? Ancestries or... Um, lineage? Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Something lineage, like that. thank you. Thank you, yeah? lineage. Okay. Um, I kind of thought they were moving away from these, like, 
35, 40 page documents. This is a 29 page document um, that covers two different classes, um, the paladin and the druid. So rounding out the priest group. Um, and then they are teasing later in this document that the next ones that are coming out um, is going to be something to do with the, the warriors. Um, but we, yes. will, we will see where that goes from here. Um, so they're, they're definitely not being consistent with the length or content being uh, added to these UAs, which is fine. Um, there's not really an expectation for it, I don't think. Um, yeah, but having, I, think, I think two classes, I think, is a good balance. Um, or a class and then a, a number of lineages. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what we used to see for, like, you know, older UA, if I recall Yeah, correctly. we would see, like, three subclasses or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, we'd see, yeah, like, three subclasses or something along those lines, maybe sometimes mm-hmm. two. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think when they released, like, the Artificer, they released that with something else, too. I can't remember. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I think you're right. Yeah. And then we got a mess of spells. Yeah, yeah. So we have a whole bunch of, you know, it's, 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 I'm, I would... I'm more interested in the the class stuff that they inc- introduced here. There's also like another rules glossary. There's a few pages of uh, divine and primal spells here that we could, in theory, touch on. Um, yeah, but if to anything, be honest, we'll touch you, think... on. I think what some of the descriptions around these spells and categories right. mean, based on what we talked about in previous episodes. Yeah, and I think I think there are s- there's a, there's certainly a couple of spells that are worth talking about, but I think as a whole. We're going to focus on um, the Druid first and then the Paladin second in terms of the content um, that is in this uh, document here. It's a 29-page, not-so-easily-digestible document. So again, this is very first impressions for us. Um, Both of us saw, obviously, we just saw this for the first time today. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. This is going to be first, first real look at what is going on in this document in terms of... um, these two classes here yeah jason and dunk react live that's right yeah exactly <laughs> except it's not live no it's well yeah you know it's live for us yeah it's live for us it's, it's live, live for, for Zuko, us right now and then and then it's live uh it's, it'll be pre-recorded as soon as this moment in time ends for us yes um because time is fleeting and everything ends mm-hmm. 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 um cool do we want to talk about uh druids first yeah, I think I think that's probably the best course of action. We've got cool. some very interesting changes to the druid. The druid uh, mm-hmm. has never looked so interesting to me. Yeah, so I I have um when I when I first laid my ha- my my eyes when I first feasted my eyes upon this druid, um I was intrigued. Um the the longer I've sat on it over the last couple hours, the more that I think there's definitely tweaks to be made here. But um I I like what they've. I like the base that they've set here. Um, there's a lot of really good changes. Uh, primarily, um, what we're looking at is um, instead of just wild shape being a resource, um, what they're calling it is channel nature. And there are several different abilities that you can do with that resource, um, one of them being wild shape that you get at first level. Um, so you're going to be able to channel nature two to four times depending on your level. They are, uh, they, they have a little sidebar here um, on the fifth page of the document that has um, a note about um, their use of proficiency bonus in the last UA, um, where they, they took note of the fact that if people are using multi-classing rules, then using proficiency bonus for key class features um, may not make sense. Because even if you're a first level cleric, you can use your channel divinity up to six times because it's tied to your proficiency bonus and not your class level. Yeah. Um, so they are for this document, um, for the, do- for the Druid and the Paladin, they are, uh, rem- they are, they are divorcing it from proficiency bonus, making it its own resource. And it also notes that, um, in the next version of the cleric, they're going to do something similar. Um, so yeah. really trying to crack down on really powerful first level multi-classing dips, um, which I think is a good change. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, have some mixed feelings about that like i understand kind of where they're coming from uh but also i mean that's part of the fun of like multi-classing mm-hmm. and making these like crazy wild builds which is like super fun for certain people so yeah no, I in some ways that. i guess it's like trying I to think, like balance um... the game but also like mm-hmm. some people that's like finding those builds are like the fun of it but also i mean some of those people that find the fun in those builds usually it is at the detriment of 
some other people at table at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I just think yeah. like when resources are tied to something that's like tied to character level and not necessarily class level, it can be a little bit tricky um, mm -hmm. in terms of power level. So I think especially with these like defining class features, tying them to the level of the class and not the level of the character makes sense. There are definitely abilities that could be tied to proficiency bonus that aren't going to be quite as um, like iconic or powerful or defining. Um, but I think for something like Channel Divinity, um, or in the Druid's case, Channel Nature, um, it definitely makes sense to tie it to class level. Um, the mm -hmm. other two abilities that you can uh, use your Channel Nature on, you get a second level, um, which are Healing Blossoms, which is just a small heal, uh, and then a Wild Companion, um, which is very similar to an optional rule we saw in Tasha's, where you can use your Wild Shape resources to summon a familiar. Uh, similar to find familiar, um, wild companion um, again does the pretty much the exact same thing. You can you can limitedly summon a familiar as if you were casting find familiar. <clears throat> so um, your druid is not necessarily tied one hundred percent to um, shape shifting as an animal. Um, this is something that we saw them do late into five e with s certain subclasses, um, moon druid or not moon druid, sorry stars druid. Um, and wildfire and spores where they had alternate uses for their wild shape resource um, they're leaning into that as kind of part of the base class um the problem in my eyes and dunk you can kind of you can tell me if you agree or disagree is that um even though they are in in the sense of wild shape as a resource divorcing the druid class from the necessity of changing into an animal um, a lot of the base druid abilities are still uh, tied to turning into an animal. Um, so even though oh, yeah. at the low levels, the theory is that you have options that aren't shoehorning your character to being a shapeshifter, a lot, a lot of the higher level abilities are still tied to the wild shape as an idea. Yeah, 100%. Which strikes me as strange. Yeah, it seems a little bit weird. I mean, um, I'm actually looking at the, uh, the, the player's handbook uh, the 2014 player's handbook. Um, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to find like how many uses you get, uh, for the wild shape, like in like later. I levels. think it's just, I think it's two per short rest, isn't it? Like basically forever, unless you're a moon druid. Uh, yeah, basically it's, it's two per shorter long rest. Um, yeah. and, uh, from what I'm trying to see here, it doesn't. And then at some point like... you just, you go, I think, don't you just straight up go from two to unlimited at some point? Oh yeah, no. At twentieth <laughs> level, arch druid, you can use your wild yeah. shape an unlimited number of times. Yeah, which you, is, you just straight up go from like, two to infinite. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. It's super weird. Um, yeah. So I mean, like you know, being able to, you know, I guess, do more things with the wild shape, mm -hmm. uh, but then also having all these things focused on the wild shape does feel a little bit strange. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully, the subclasses will give like more features uh, because you know, I mean. The druid does seem to be a a subclass heavy kind of class. Mm -hmm. um, you get a lot Definitely. more like druid circle features uh, than some of the other uh, subclasses for other classes. Um, but like, yeah, it's it's really heavily tied to that. Uh, you know, fifth level might have land like okay, cool. Now you can do like climbing speed, multi attack. And yeah, then so like seventh level aquatic <laughs> form, you can swim now. It's, and it's, then ninth it's level one, aerial two, form. three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, it's seven of the class abilities are all tied directly to wild shape. Yeah. Um, so even though you're giving the character more options as to use those resources, all all of the or you know a significant amount. Um, seven of the of the level up abilities are directly tied to wild shape, so you're still incentivized heavily to use that resource for shape shifting. Um, so it feels like a false choice to me, where they're like, "Oh, don't worry, you can use this resource for healing or to summon a animal companion," but um, just so you know, a, a huge percentage of your base class abilities are still tied to that wild shape. It strikes um, me as strange. Yeah, by the way, I, th I think it's like nine if you count the initial channel nature. If you count, yeah, if you count channel nature initially. Yeah, I suppose that's yeah, true. Yeah, it's, it's nine. Because yeah. like you have, yeah, wild resurgence, <laughs> which is like, yeah, when you wild shape, 
you can also do this other thing that does channel nature. Um, right. And then B spells. Yeah, when you wild shape, you when can you're do wild spells. shaped, you can cast like, spells. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and then uh, yeah, I guess if you want, if you want to round it up to whole ten, arch true at eighteenth level. Oh yeah, yeah. W- like you, like every time you do initiative, you can have basically a wild shape back. Sure, yeah. you can yeah, have that, that, other that uses it of it. The but... entire, yeah, yeah. Still though, mm-hmm. um, I love the fact that they do give just to you know give credit where credit is due. Um, the fact that channel nature in this way obviously makes sense to have channel nature with channel divinity uh, mm-hmm. in this group. But one thing I do really love about this is the fact that it does like provide like the base druid with a healing factor. Yes, outside agree. of like subclasses and spells. Yeah. I will say it's not a huge heal. Um, at most, you're doing five d four. That's still pretty decent. <laughs> I mean that that that's better than like a like most healing potions, right? Yeah, but I I guess I guess you're right. Five d four twice a day is actually not a terrible amount of healing. Um, yeah, up until uh fifth level. So yeah, I mean I don't know. That's like two healing potions a day if you're not using. That's two greater healing potions a day if you're not using that resource for Wild Shape, which, mm-hmm. again, you are heavily incentivized to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, and the fact that it can be, like, you know, in an area, like, not touch-based, mm-hmm. the fact that it can be multiple people, um, you know, the fact that you no, can I think be you're right. doing I think that you're right. when that you it, Wild I mean... Shape, like, later yeah. on, I guess. Um, yeah, it is, it's, it's a little bit lacking, but at least it's something. Yeah. Um, the other big mechanical change that we really have to talk about because it is in- inherently tied to Wild Shape is the way that Wild Shape works. Um, mm-hmm. So in the 5th edition uh, rules, as I'm sure everyone knows, you have to pick a beast that already exists of a certain challenge rating. Mm-hmm. Um, in these new rules, I think people were very much expecting this. It's a um, generic stat block that you plug numbers into. Um, so it's your armor class is 10 plus your wisdom modifier when you're wild shaped. Um, you Your strength and your dex equal your wisdom score, which is interesting. But your con in charisma and wisdom all stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, your uh, attacks are based on your spell attack modifier, your wisdom score. There's, there's things like that. Um, the thing that I find really lacking... In this and the other, like the Animal of the Sea, the Animal Sky, Animal of the Land, all of them, is uh, that every single animal is going to feel the same. Um, so yeah. if, you, if you wild shape into an Animal of the Land, you can choose, hey, I'm going to be a bear or a wolf or a cow or a cat or an elephant or whatever. But they're all going to have the same abilities. Um, and yeah. I think what they really need to add here to bring this druid class from good to great is something along the lines of the Beast Barbarian where when you do transform, you have a choice of like one of three or one of four abilities to add to your wild shape. So like if it's mm-hmm. a trample or like a poison ability or some kind of rent, like a, like a multi-strike ability, right? Where you can like do like a sweeping attack. Um, whatever the case may be, I just think having one small choice to make when you wild shape just to kind of differentiate like, oh, if I'm an animal land, like, if I want to transform into a bear or a tiger or a deer or a cat, they're all going to mechanically feel the same. I think something needs to, there needs to be a choice to differentiate between those just to kind of bump up this class a little bit in terms of the choices that you're making. Agreed? Agreed. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay. Cause I mean, yeah, the, the only things that really like, as it's written out here, I mean, yeah, basically the way they have it set here is like at seventh level, which is usually a, like a pretty big mile marker for different classes. Yeah. Um, usually that's when you get like, you know, your, your next uh, big, I, I think that's when you get like fifth level spells, um, mm-hmm. you know, for, for spellcasters and stuff like that. It's like, cool. Now you can swim. It's like, yeah, wow. Yeah, you can transform into great. animal to sea. And then ninth yeah. level is sky. Yeah, but the flying. thing is like, you literally... The only thing that actually makes a difference between Animal of the Land and Animal of the Sea, so the only thing that makes a difference mechanically that you actually get as a benefit, is the swim speed. Yeah. Imagine, like... Uh, 30 feet more dark vision, though. That's something, you know, you gotta consider that. Um, Yeah. Unless your dark vision is already better. Um, You are are 100% right. Like, it, mm -hmm. it, it does feel a little bit underwhelming. Yeah. 
Uh, and then the same thing happens at level nine when, okay, now you can fly. And that's the only mm-hmm. like mechanical thing that is different. When you wild shape, you can fly. That's it. Yeah. And then at 11th level, you can be small. Yeah. So, okay. I will. I, I know that before we were kind of in this, um, I said that I was largely um, untainted by the opinions of Reddit. This is one thing that I did see. Uh, it's people having an issue with this 11th level ability, um, which is that you can wild shape into a tiny creature once you hit 11th level, but it's only for mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Um, and people are saying, oh, well, you know, the thing that I use wild shape for the most is for scouting, and this kind of ruins the whole purpose yeah. of that. Um, my response to that, and the response that I'm seeing a lot of people online give to that argument is um, that the druid really shouldn't be a better scout than the rogue or the ranger. Um, so limiting that ability actually kind of makes sense to me. I don't know if you agree with that take or not. I, I don't think I agree. I, I think the fact that uh, one of the players can become a tiny creature mm-hmm. uh, is something that is inherently useful for certain situations that you know, would make it better for no, of um, course. rather than the, the, the rogue or the ranger and say you don't have one of those in your party. Yeah. That is like, it's a huge advantage to be able for someone to be able to fill in that role. Uh, no, additionally, of course, so of like, I mean, being able to but... like break out of say prison, right. Yeah. Um, you know, say your thieves tools are taken away from you. The fuck are mm-hmm. you going to do? Right. Uh, well now you can have a tiny creature, get out, slip out and, grab keys or whatever right but the thing is yeah. I mean, like, no i, I agree there's... but like should should that be something like i i guess the, the the question that this ua is forcing us to ask is like what should the druid be good at <laughs> and if the answer is infiltration and you know um scouting and stuff then that's fine but i think that we need to at least look at that and ask if that's necessarily um the thing that druids should be doing yeah for sure i mean like you know it's one of those things that does create a debate about like roles and party cohesion. But, right. you know, I also know that there are a lot of people who, you know, will have like be plagiarists and will basically just like be small because they want to be like a tiny creature. Mm-hmm. Like having no, someone I, that's yeah, just like that. is more comfortable, like having a character, like for flavor reasons, having a character that's more comfortable, like hanging out as a mouse on say like the, the, barbarian's shoulder is just a I, I, rich piece I see, of flavor. Yeah, I see the argument. I understand. Yeah, um, I, I, just, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it, it doesn't even make sense. And the thing is, like, if you say, say, okay, if you didn't want the druid to be able to take this, this role on, mm-hmm. because the druid can also do a million other things much right, better yeah. it's, than it's, being... It's one of the, be- it's one of the to, most diverse classes in the game. Right? Yeah, because you still have to, like, roll for stealth. And I'm telling you right now, skill monkey with expertise that the rogue is, <laughs> is yeah, going to be I mean, infinitely fair. better than whatever your base wisdom then, score is. The 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 consequence for failing your role if you're a druid disguised as a squirrel is that the guy goes, Oh, there's a squirrel. And the consequence for failing your role as a rogue is someone goes, Oh, there's a human being there. <laughs> I mean sure. He's trying but to like, break into our building. I mean, sure. But at the end of the day, I mean like, you know, if if you see like a squirrel in a dungeon, like or you know, I'm in like a cla- like a castle dungeon. Yeah, um, I, yeah. You're you're I mean, kind of like what the fuck about, is happening, right? Yeah, we, yeah, can, we argue can argue about, about specific, this until, like yeah, absolutely. But like I I don't know. Part of me just thinks like okay, yeah, having it for no longer than ten minutes. Uh, you know, the damage you deal is in the form is halved. That all makes sense. But why does it have to be eleventh level? Why do you get that before you get to fly? Yeah, I, I, I understand the argument. Like, for sure. they, they already nerf it in so they, many integral yeah. ways. The fact that it can't be more than 10 minutes, that's already a great limitation for your argument. Like, yeah, like that, that makes sense. Like, okay, now you can't be a spy because, like, you can only be, like, in this tiny form for 10 minutes. <clears throat> okay. Is that not I, enough? I, uh... No, I, I see your point. What if what if instead at 11th level they made it, okay, you can be tiny or huge instead of large. You can go one step above large and you can go one step below small. How would you feel about that? I think that would be... I, I, I think I, I, would, I would question that and be like, okay, well, why are these two things linked together? Yeah, I guess. Right? You're Ant-Man, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like Ant-Man can go huge, sure, but it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of energy. But Ant-Man can go small. That's, that's Ant-Man's whole thing. 
But I mean, that's, whole, that's, that's not that's strike. not the Druid's whole thing. And if you make that's it kind of like a shorter thing. time period, then that already I, I guess nerfs it in that in that way that you want it to. Yeah. Even though I don't think I, it should. Yeah. I understand that. I think my main takeaway from the whole wild shape thing is that like when I first saw it, the re- I got excited because I was like, oh, I don't have to be beholden to like the like the CR that Wizards of the Coast, you know, are yeah, arbitrarily CR is so gives bad. To, yeah. gives to beasts. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I could just be a frog. But then I'm like, why would I choose? What what's the point of choosing to be a frog if I get nothing frog like from it, right? Yeah, you also um, like can't be a frog well, until okay, eleventh I'm a level. Giant toad is what I'm picturing. But yes, <laughs> I, I couldn't be a little itty bitty frog. Um, the only other thing that's a, a significant mechanical change here is that you don't gain the hit points of the wild shape that you go into um it continues to use your hit points and hit dice which is a great change because uh moon druids especially at second level had a hidden line of text that said every short rest you gain 70 temporary hit points (laughs) yeah i really i really feel like that was a kind of an oversight from wizards of the coast where they made moon druids the tankiest class in the game at second level 100 so yeah, definitely a decent change there. It all, it changes the way you're going to be using Wild Shape. Um, it's harder to use it offensively, um, a little bit, but um, I definitely think it's a necessary change because a Moon Druid at second level having like whatever it is, twenty hit points as a character, but then being able to Wild Shape into a bear that has an additional forty twice is crazy. One hundred percent. It's I mean it's a necessary change, right? Yeah. Um, although on the other hand, this does mean that like someone can be a dog and not die. Yeah, but I don't want dogs to die. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. Like they won't die because like the yeah. like the mastiff um, has like 11 hit points. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. So you can transform into a, into a traditionally weaker animal and still be fine. Yes. Um, but that's because transforming into a traditionally weaker animal like a mastiff and transforming into a traditionally stronger animal like a brown bear is the exact same in this UA. Yes. So it all it all kind of balances. So maybe out. there's may, maybe there is a middle ground that could be found here. And again, I think the uh, the the trick the and like they've done this a hundred times with other spells and subclasses is like mm-hmm. when you make a choice, you make three itty, itty little bitty choices that change how you're going to interact with this ability. Um, like the the beast barbarian, the one that really comes to mind is the beast barbarian, which has um, you can choose the claws or the jaws or the tail, mm-hmm. and each of those has its own specific benefit. Yeah, um, and it just like why would you not have something like that on each of these stat blocks? Yeah, right? like when I I kind of skimped over the uh, over the wild shape stat blocks, but I did kind of assume when I saw bestial strike on the animal of the land, like I kind of just assumed that it would be a little bit different. On, like, it's just one d eight plus yeah. your wisdom modifier damage. Yeah, but okay, and I will give them credit. You get to choose between bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing damage, which mm-hmm. only matters if you're fighting skeletons. Oh, oh, you know what? Actually, you know what? Animal of the sea. You, uh, yeah. your your beast uh, melee attack is one d six plus your wisdom. Yeah, so it's less damage. And I will say the land, the animal of the sky is a d four, and it has less uh, armor class. So yes. there are small differences here. There are some small differences, but nothing that makes it fun. No, no, I agree. I think I think this is again, this is a good start, but probably not where we need to go with it. Yeah. Um. There's there's work to be done, which is why they're putting out these UAs, right? They want to get our feedback and they want to know, um, they want to know what our thoughts are. And I think if if I were to have a takeaway from this druid, it's that this is a good start, but that uh, more work needs to be done. Put it back in yes. the oven for a little bit. Come back with something a little bit more intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can tell it was made by white people because there's no spice here. There's no flavor. Kill Bill sirens are happening in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did you have anything else you wanted to say about the druid? Um, We didn't even really talk about the subclass specific stuff, but there's nothing terribly interesting there, to be completely honest. Yeah, you're you're right. there's nothing crazy, uh, yeah, with the subclass. It looks pretty similar to the the old one in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you get I mean, one like... additional attack as a bonus action as a moon druid. Mm-hmm. You can bonus. You can you can wild shape as a bonus action, which is the same as five e. Um, you can add a little bit of damage. You get resistance to a little bit of damage, and you get the alter self spell. Yeah, I mean, I All I'm interested to like kind of see like the fact that it's an unarmed strike instead of, mm-hmm. like, a bestial strike, I think is kind of cool. Um, 
kind of just makes me think like, okay, yeah. So it's going to be like it like less, I guess, like an offhand attack. Is it? How does that work? It says a uh, quick attack. You can use an unarmed strike as a bonus No, I, I, I can see it says that, but like, what does that mean? <laughs> Is it different than the bestial strike? That's... That's the question, isn't it? I mean, like, this, it's, this it's is, underlined, this is... which means that it's got a definition in, like, the rules. Oh, 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 hold on. Does this, this doesn't say, this doesn't say while you're wild-shaped, while you're in a wild-shaped form. That's, that's the no- next point I was going to bring up. Like, is okay. it... Okay, I was, I, I was, in my head, I was adding the sentence, while in your wild-shaped form, you can use an unarmed strike as a bonus action. So See, that, that was says. my, that was my assumption beforehand as well because everything right. is so focused on wild shape as we were saying right. like everything is but what this so says ridiculously is focused you can use an unarmed strike as a bonus action which to me implies whether or not you're wild shaped you can bonus action unarmed strike see that that's what i'm thinking whether or not so that means like while you're wild shaped you can or no like it's a little bit vague um so, like so the the dru- the moon druid the circle of the moon druid uh, gets to be a monk with a bad punch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, like while while you're you okay. know this whole hog spellcaster nature person, yeah, you can just dead ass punch a motherfucker. That's like, pretty funny. It's pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. Whether or not that's actually going to be the way that it's it's supposed to be written, like I I feel like there's something missing there for context like i feel like i feel like the way it's written is not the way that it was intended to be written mm-hmm. um so we'll have yeah, to see like what happens to that but like yeah, yeah. What the feedback is there <laughs> yeah but like hey yeah if if you want to be a full-ass spellcaster who's got like extra things in you know in your wild shape uh and then also when you're not wild shaping you want to just be able to punch someone you can do yeah. that i mean i don't think anything necessarily stopped you from doing that beforehand um ah, but but it is fun it is fun but if it's an unarmed strike the same way that like anyone can do an unarmed strike it's just one okay, plus your strength no but it is important to note that unarmed strike changed a little bit and still is changed because there is okay um you can do you can you can hit and it does one plus your strike modifier damage, but I will say, under unarmed strike in the world's glossary, you can also grapple or shove. So okay, okay, that's that's something then. Um, that is something to keep, especially if you are wild shaped and you can grapple or shove as a bonus action. Like if you if you if you shove as a bonus action, and then you as your little bear guy, you can like claw at them twice with your multi attack. Mm-hmm. That seems kind of sick. Definitely. You know but, what I mean? I'm starting yeah. to put it together in my head. I'm starting. I'm starting to get there. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to put it together. I mean, like, I, I guess it would make sense. You know, the, the 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 idea of doing it as a bonus action. I don't know. There's something about it that just like makes me wonder why it's here in the druid <laughs> spot. Um, like if it is for wild shape, that makes a hundred. Like that that totally makes sense. And I, I think it is you because can still it says shove as a bonus spells. action, even though you're not wild shape so that's i don't know yeah, but i mean I like, like what, if you're not wild shape then you're using druid spells and druid True. spells are almost 100 percent like range spells except for like okay, I, I guess yeah. uh but then why would, why, why would they bother limiting it to just wild shape when they could just say you can just if you wanted to you could grapple as an eight strength druid <laughs> and that's it like i mean that that to me is just ridiculous yeah you know i mean in the best possible way yeah, 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 yeah. You'll tweak Drew and try to, you know, grapple an yeah. ogre or whatever as a bonus. Yeah, action. it's like, hey, do you want to try and grab? Yeah, do you want to try and grab? I forgot an orc? I wasn't a giant ape. <laughs> yeah, do you want to try and grab like an enemy, um, and then Fuck use yeah. your spells at disadvantage? Fuck yeah, I do want to do that because that right? sounds fun. Sounds great. <laughs> um. Okay. Anything else about the druid before we move on to the paladin? Uh no, let's let's find let's find our pally in the paladin. Pally. Uh Dunk, you famously have uh opinions about the paladin. I, I do. I do. I don't um, have a question for you, I just want to <laughs> point it out. Yeah, might as well put it on record again. Um <laughs> just to repeat. <laughs> I mean they, they, they still try and like, you know, I, I, I think the, the flavor text really does try and like I don't know, put some sort of damper on like the the religious aspect 
um of the of of the the, the paladin but again like it's a it's called a fucking paladin and it's in yeah. the priest grouping True. now so it's True, like it sure is it's still just always going to be kind of associated with that <laughs> whole kind of deus faults problematic yeah. christianity that is the the number one enemy of my paid job that i do for a living mm-hmm. I get so you. it's it's still you know they're they're doing what they can i guess but that it is what it is what i will say is this paladin <clears throat> looks fun yeah what, yeah. what what's your takeaway here because i all, all i all i'm noticing going over this one more time while we're kind of looking at it here is i i'm just looking at the things that they took away and not the things that they gave it um like here's a fun one uh fifth edition third level paladins became immune to disease and that's not here anymore which mm-hmm. obviously that ability came into effect like maybe one in every 20 campaigns but still yeah i mean the fact that yeah the fact that it was immune to disease i mean yeah 100 percent never going to be used whatever it's going to come into effect in my campaign i'll tell you that much for free <laughs> all right then i'll have to find something else that's immune to disease um Hell yeah yeah i mean like i i've been in i've been in games where like uh you know because players uh, like especially on like you know queer tables um everyone's flirting with each other everyone's having a good time um our dm did decide to put stis in the game oh yeah so like there there were condoms okay. and stuff, but like condoms were also very expensive. Uh, it was kind of like Fable <laughs> Two, uh, in that way. Like, um, yeah, what we have this new invention thing? called a condom, so you don't have to get a chlamydia in your Dungeons and Dragons campaign. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, so playing a paladin uh, was great. Uh, and became that. immune to. Hmm. Yeah. You became immune to syphilis. Uh, same with the monks, I guess. because uh, I think they they get disease immunity as well um so they can okay i'm just not yeah. i'm not gonna, i'm not gonna touch that with a 10 foot pole doug i'm sorry that's what we all kind of said when we realized there were stis in this world <laughs> especially going to like you know the, the pirate colony yeah okay we're gonna oh yikes yeah double um, that. anyway but yeah i mean i don't know i i think it's like the lay on hands um you know has the uh poison aspects uh instead yeah. of the disease aspect and instead i think of, the instead poison of, instead of curing a disease yeah, and I think poison makes a lot more sense, um, yep. or Agreed. not necessarily makes a lot more sense. I think the disease thematically makes more sense, but yeah. um, the poison aspect, I think, is much more useful mechanically, so that's kind of mm. nice. I agree. I think this is, if I can kind of go on like a side tangent here, I'm really mm-hmm. glad to see that change, because um, I have been struggling with this specifically in my prep for my current D&D game. Um, so if any of um, the completionists um in my current frost maiden game are uh listening please turn away for like 30 seconds um i'm trying to come up with a way to introduce disease in a way that is impactful but doesn't just and like makes the paladin feel good about being able to heal people but doesn't just like okay i heal you right and so like you know you're no longer diseased i i spend five of my resources that i get back on a log rest to make sure you no longer have a disease in you mm-hmm. um which just like, doesn't feel interesting or whatever. No. So I, I, I'm glad to see this change because it's hard to implement disease in a way that feels good when you have a paladin in your party. Um, so I, specifically for, for me in my current situation, it doesn't <laughs> help, but it is good to see that someone is listening. Yeah. I think at most of my tables, we've kind of played it as like poison disease, same thing. Like we just kind of yeah. add poison to that. Um what I will say, I mean, like, if you're trying to, like, make disease impactful and such, uh, you got, if you got a bard. <laughs> no. I'm not, I'm not doing, not doing it. Fair enough. Um, uh, this, hold on. The solution I did come up with is um, to just make more people sick than uh, he can heal in one day. <laughs> yeah, come across a town that's, like, ridden by plague. It's actually, uh, anyway, it's not, it, I don't want to get too many the details, but it's actually uh, griffins who are sick and not people, but whatever. Um, that's better, because we actually care about animals. That's right. That's yeah. right. I want to I play on the sympathy card. Um, Divine Smite has changed slightly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can smite. Uh, you're, you're still using your spell slots for it. Um, which I think is interesting. I would have expected them to divorce Divine Smite resource from spell slots, but they haven't. 
Um, that just feels like a really easy way to simplify things. I've had trouble with new Paladin players who, like, don't understand or have a hard time understanding that spell slots are used for two different resources. Because spells are already hard to understand. Yeah, 100%. Place. Um, so I'm surprised to see, I'm surprised to see that not get divorced from spell slots, but, uh, alas, um, you can explicitly, uh, smite on an unarmed strike, which is fantastic because you used to explicitly not be able to do that. Yep. Um, and there's also no longer a cap on the damage for it. The yes. trade-off there is that you can only do it once per turn and you can't do it in the same turn that you cast a spell. Which, I mean, I guess is fair because you're expending a spell slot. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I understand the logic there. Um, yeah. It's definitely, and that, that cap, that cap missing on um, on the damage, like, we're going to see what the Sorcerer looks like at some point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Paladin Sorcerer is still as powerful a combo in 1D&D as it was in 5th edition, um, then I'm, I'm interested to see how, like, a ninth level spell slot smite feels as a, yeah. as a Paladin Sorcerer. Uh, and then balancing that with the fact that, like, okay, you can do that, but um, if you do that, then there's no cast of spells for you that turn, right? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that, that's, that's a really good point. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, it, the, 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 you can't cast a spell. I wonder if that uh, includes cantrips. That, that's my question there. I think it does, but also I don't know if it matters if it so like i think the thing that this impacts the most is bonus action spells right that's that's the thing that really gets impacted and i think a lot of the spite the smite spells are bonus actions um so i think the idea really is that you're not supposed to be able to um stack the divine smite with uh one of the spite smells like um searing smite blinding smite staggering smite things like that um i think the, the idea there is that you're not supposed to be able to stack those two things i think that's really where it comes from yeah, which totally makes sense. But I mean, there's also like, what was it, Green Flame Blade and Booming Blade, or like yeah. cantrips? So I, yeah, I wonder true. if you that's can. True. That's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't think those. about that. But also, mm-hmm. I guess I'm thinking about like, you know, I I know people love like the the, the palad, Paladin Sorcerer, um, but like the Padlock for me is is where it's at. Yeah. Um, I I always love that, especially with the um, either using like the the revised uh Pact of the Blade, which is a homebrew, um, mm-hmm. or doing like the um the hex blade to be able to use charisma and you know kind of focus solely on charisma um that's that's where i'm kind of thinking too right because it's like okay well if you can't cast a spell but you can do cantrips i mean then that makes the like the padlock i guess a more viable option uh also like you know warlocks have a bunch of different like innate magical abilities uh so kind of thinking about how that all plays together but then again i mean like that's we're getting to multi-class stuff. So that's 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 a whole right. other. We're kind of we're kind of getting off topic, especially because we don't even know what the warlock looks like in one D and D, right? We exactly. Don't know yeah, and we won't for a little while. I'm assuming. <clears throat> um, other subclass feature or other class features of Dote. Um, fifth level, you get a baked-in fine steed, which is just excellent. Yes. Makes a lot of sense. Hundred um, percent for a paladin character that just tracks so well. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm happy to see that. Um, and then, uh, ninth level Abjure Foes, um, which allows you to, uh, daze a number of creatures equal to your charisma modifier, um, and daze, according to the uh, rule set they've given us here, is fairly powerful. Um, yeah. it's that you can either take a action or a movement, um, and then you're also locked off from bonus actions or reactions. So you're really locking down action economy there, um, and then the yeah the ability to kind of do that to a to a crowd of creatures as a paladin seems extremely good, um, mm-hmm. so I am I am very happy to see that. Um, Other than that, though, I'm not sure I see anything else that really sticks out to me. Yeah, well, what I will say is, um, you know, divine sense I think has been made more useful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it says uh, in the original uh, player's handbook, it was uh, as an action you can. Uh, you know, do the sense, and it's to the end of your next turn. Uh, but Divine Sense now is um, a bonus action, and uh, it's the next ten minutes, or until or until you have been uh, incapacitated, which means that yeah. it's not so, focused on concentration, but it's ten minutes. Agreed. But I will say the trade-off there is that uh, in the UA, it uses um, uh, it's it's your channel divinity ability. That mm-hmm. this takes up, and in fifth edition, it's a completely separate ability from my recollection. Yeah, it's thinking, uh, yeah, equal to it's, it's just uh, separate, one plus right? your it's charisma. one plus your charisma modifier. Yeah, so you can use it less often, but it is 
useful, um, significantly more useful than it used to be. So yes, I think there's a trade-off there. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm just thinking about the fact that like, you don't have to be using it for like multiple rooms like mm-hmm. over and over again. Oh, so yeah, 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 you're yeah, probably sure, going to be sure. you can yeah, have like it, you can 10 have minutes is a lot of time in D&D mechanics. terms that you can have that up yeah. for a whole dungeon 100%. Yeah. Uh which is kind of insane when you think about it. Like mm-hmm. you you cannot explore an entire dungeon of those sizes uh in real life like in 10 minutes, but no. D&D, yeah, you can. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, Abjurfoes, you've already mentioned, is amazing. Uh, yeah, it's a great ability. Happy yeah. to see it here. Um, everything else that, seems yeah, fairly is, yeah, more or normal. Less the same. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to see aura protection basically more or less unchanged. Um, mm-hmm. Really powerful ability, and like the reason that you play a paladin basically, uh, besides yeah. wanting to smite things really hard, is that bonus to charisma to saving throws. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, like there's there's the oath of devotion here, um, which is. Similar to what it was in the 5th edition player's handbook, um, not a lot of big changes here. Um, you can use your channel divinity to get um, a bonus to your attack rolls, um, and then do some extra radiant damage, and then um, your smiter protection gives your allies um, temporary hit points. So a very defensive, uh, a, very, a, a good balance of defense and offense from the subclass. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I expected to see from the Oath of Devotion. Yeah. Um, definitely, like, the, in 5th edition, at least, it was kind of the most, like, vanilla... I don't know what Paladin Oath to take, so Devotion seems okay, um, sort of option. Um, and that's exactly what I want to see in, like, the base subclass options for this edition. Um, it's kind of like the, the catch-all um, subclasses, which is why, to be honest with you, to, to go back to the Druid a little bit, um, I am a little bit disappointed to see the Moon Druid kind of stick around as what seems to be Wizard's default, um, just yeah. because it is so, so tied to Wild Shape. Yeah, it's not as balanced as as the Oath of Devotion is here, um, which is, yeah, I think perfectly acceptable. Um, I love mm-hmm. the fact that you can have uh, the Sunlight feature uh, for this aura. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Um, yeah, especially like at 14th level when I guess you're able to fight like vampires and shit. You're yeah. going to be fighting vampires and shit for real. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's going to be so much fun when <laughs> the opportunity arises. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to touch the paladin? Yeah, I mean, what I will say is, uh, you know, I I will admit that like when I saw like the third level sacred weapon feature, um, I guess I got really really excited at the idea of having I guess more like a like a sacred weapon like the cleric spell, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering the name of that spell. Um, Sorry, which one? Sacred weapon. No, I th- I think that's right. Yeah, and it's like it's it's a, it's a weapon that's like you know not part like it's it's like its own sort of thing moving around the battlefield. If I remember correctly, yeah. Oh, yeah. spiritual weapon. Spiritual weapon. Yeah. So when I read sacred weapon, I I my mind jumped to spiritual weapon, and I got really excited. And then when I read yeah. it, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So you kind of get like a magic weapon. Um, cool. But like, yeah, I I think I was just a little bit disappointed at that. And I think the idea of having like a spiritual weapon for um like a, a a class feature so that you don't have to be like expending a spell slot for it uh with, with a yeah. with a paladin would be really cool but obviously that's just me trying to think of like things that would be cool rather than critiquing it for what it is right now so mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely um the only uh there's a couple of spells i wanted to touch on outside of the subclasses mm-hmm um specifically uh find familiars changed a little bit there's no longer just like a list of creatures that you take a stat block from um instead it works very similarly to um the the druid yeah yeah the druid the wild shape um where you just choose uh like a land creature an air creature or a water creature and then it gets certain bonuses based on that Mm -hmm. um what i find interesting is that here and for the spell otherworldly steed um it, it does the exact thing that i want the wild shape to do which is you get especially with uh, otherworldly steed you pick fey or fiend or celestial for your steed and then it gets specific bonus actions based on which one you pick right that's the exact kind of small choice that i want wild shape to have and it's present in this document just not in wild shape um so i think that's worth pointing out you, you, yeah you know what you're you're, you're goddamn right I'm, yeah. I I didn't even notice that until yeah you just pointed out now yeah like so the the fey steed gets a, a fey uh, step, yeah. teleport 
the fiend steed gets um a frightened ability like a frightening ability and then the, mm-hmm. the celestial speed steed gets uh, uh a healing ability all of which feels very thematically appropriate mm-hmm. and like the kind of small bonuses that you would expect to get from like a powerful spell that has like small changes you can make so if it's present in that spell in these st- stat blocks why is it not present in wild shape yeah that's exactly it like why why wouldn't they why wouldn't they do that it just doesn't make sense that's that that's that's aggravating at this point um yeah i i don't disagree with you it's definitely the kind of thing where it's like come on you did it right here so like what what what's missing from from the stat block from earlier yeah i mean even the otherworldly familiar could be using something like that yeah um the only other thing that i wanted to point out was uh spare the dying uh has changed as well um it's basically it's a cantrip version of uh cure wounds mm-hmm. where you have to be able to touch the creature but they regain what hit point if they are unconscious like if they are dying yes um so that strikes me as a very like a way better use of a cantrip slot than the spare the dying it might actually be uh spare the dying from fifth edition it might actually be too good <laughs> <laughs> like because healing one hit point is effectively all you need to do. Like, it's kind of, like, common... It's, there's this common idea in 5th edition where, like, it's not worth healing someone unless they are down. Because you're never going to outheal the damage of a creature. Yeah, um, I, I've, so, like, I've heard that So, like, restoring one hit point is the same as restoring 10 or whatever. Um, See, I've heard the, that a the, lot, the but thing, I, don't, I don't buy it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely hotly debated. I, yeah. I've seen both... I've, I've seen players play both ways, and I've seen both ways work. Um, like I've seen people clutch out. Like I, I lived by one hit point, and it's because I got healed with the, by the bard like two rounds earlier for six, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've seen I've, uh, opportunities like that happen all the time. So it's kind of it's it's a bit of a tricky like situation to find yourself in. All I'm saying is that this is a it's an infinite cure wounds. It's just that instead of rolling a d8, you just get one <laughs> hit point, um, which strikes me as really really good. Yeah, 100%. maybe I'm overrating it, but that's just what that's the impression that I get. Yeah, no, I mean, the fact that it can, the, the, the fact that, you know, it's not just stabilized, uh, but, you know, it does get, bring you up to one hit point means that, you know, next yeah. round you can use half your movement, get up, and get right back into it. But, yeah. like, the time it takes for, again, it is a touch spell. It's just because it's touch, right? Like, that's what balances well, it. Well, not only that, I mean, if, just thinking about, like, it's, it's turn-based combat. Yeah. So imagine, like, top of the order, the, 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 the big bad kind of, uh, you know, takes a swipe at you, you're down. You get you know, like before you can get stabilized, you've missed an like a a, a turn in this round yeah. of combat. Um, say like you know first swipe took you out. Now mm-hmm. like other baddies, and then that baddie like also had to can take other attacks, which are automatically crits. Yeah, like no, I, you I, could yeah, be for sure. full I think, ass I think dead the action before this. Is working against you, right? Yeah. Especially because this is a full on action and not a bonus action. Exactly. Um, it's it's an action. If this had a touch, again, if this had a range again, of turn based, it would be insane. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. But... I mean, when the Grave Cleric comes out, then we're going to have to have another discussion about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> cool. Um, was there anything else you wanted to touch in this? Like, anything specific? Because I feel like everything else is sort of... Whatever. Um, you no longer gain advantage... Or, sorry, uh, they, they changed um, Inspiration, which is, mm-hmm. like, the free advantage... Um, they changed the name to Heroic Advantage, which is a good change, in my opinion, because Inspiration yeah. is going to be clashing with Bardic Inspiration a lot. Um, well, that, but that's you no what we said last it. time. Yeah, and yeah. so they, they did change the name to Heroic Advantage. Um, and you right now, you don't get it on any kind of roll. It's just up to the DM discretion, which yeah. doesn't feel... It's whatever, right? Like, I would prefer if there was a mechanic to, to get it instead of the DM having to... Or having to rely on DM Fiat to receive it, yeah. both as a player and as a DM. Because I'm like... I don't know, man. I wish there were rules yeah. for this in the book. I kind of I kind of get driven crazy by the amount of f- the stuff that 5e just goes, the DM gets to decide. And I'm like, <laughs> I have so much to think about. Yeah. Why are you making me think about this? So uh, hopefully hopefully they find a, an okay situation to... Um, yeah. Well, I mean, like, when I... I, I, I remember, like, uh, when, like, looking at, like, 5th edition, the, like, the, the whole point of inspiration is, like, if you... It's, a, it's supposed to be, like, a reward for mm-hmm. uh like really good character role play right yeah so i mean it makes sense that like it's it's going to be up to the dm if the dm really yeah. likes something as, they as should do written, is really that's... impressed mm-hmm. then like i've seen people use it for other things like the i'm currently using it like whoever does the recap of the last session gets inspiration in okay my game yeah. right now 
Um, but that's the only time that I like even remember to use it. So, mm-hmm. but like I guess my my point is, and, and this kind of leads to it, like as well. Um, if it's not up to the DM, who is it up to? Yeah, the rules. <laughs> okay, but like, like again, it, how do they quantify if it, if, that? If it, like, if it was like the last the last UA where it was like on, a, if if a player rolls a one, they get heroic advantage or inspiration or whatever. Then I wouldn't. It would be out of my hands, right? I wouldn't have to track that, it. I wouldn't that, have to that's think a good about point. It. Yeah, it would just be up to the players to be like, oh, I know that I rolled a one, so I get to take heroic advantage, right? Yeah, that that to me, like, I guess cheapens the 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 idea of it. Like, I mean, I like that as well. You know, I, I yeah. think in like some some games, uh, like if you have a failing roll, you mark advantage or not not mark advantage, you mark experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you like advance your playbooks in other games. Um, yeah. and so I think having something like that would be cool. Uh, for mm-hmm. for D and D, uh, because it also like takes the sting away from like a one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I guess encouraging role play and like rewarding role play yeah is great having yeah, something in the rules that does that like that's great and yeah For you sure. can't you can't quantify that in the rule book <laughs> so it's out of the dm it's like yeah if they do a really good job role playing okay <laughs> who gets to decide who what's a really good job the players get to decide and then it all becomes advantage every time yeah. yeah i actually think i did a good job um mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Is there anything else you wanted to cover, or is that kind of... Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, think I think exhaustion has changed. Uh, it did in the last UA. Did it change this time again? Um, I'm not sure about the last time, but it's, it's, it's changed in a way from 5th edition that we have not talked about on the podcast so far. Okay, yeah. So I, I actually, um, I will say that I've, I've used this rule. Yeah, I'd love to, to know how it works in that way then, because this, this is... Um, I think so a lot. In, yeah, in my current Rhyme of the Frostmaiden game, I had one situation where this did come up, where they were climbing a mountain. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with you, the only... Actually, I don't even know if this is worth including in the cast at all, because the only uh, character that got exhausted was an NPC. Um, <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> who was involved in a combat, and it did affect her combat skills. But um, mm-hmm. all my other players managed to avoid it, so... Uh, I can't really say how I, I like I like the way that it works better than um, the fifth edition exhaustion certainly. Um, mm. I will. I'm excited to see how they deal with the barbarian, um, the the berserker barbarian, because presumably that will be the barbarian subclass that we see, mm. and it's so heavily tied to exhaustion that I'm I'm curious to see how they change those uh, those abilities. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because from what like my my impression on this is that it's less terrible than fifth edition exhaustion. Yeah, and fifth edition ex- exhaustion is awful. It's it's yeah. not a good mechanic. Yeah, it's so punishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's just, yeah, it's just it's it's and it comes up almost nowhere as well, right? Like unless unless the DM decides like, oh, this challenge is going to give you exhaustion if you fail it. I think the only time it naturally comes up is there's a couple spells and then the berserker barbarian. Am I wrong about that? Oh, I mean, you know, I I well, I I th- I run it like my games in in a similar way but like if you are going way too long without taking like some sort of rest oh yeah for sure like you yeah. are getting I mean, exhaustion if you, if you, if you want to like yeah if, you, if you're marching on like past an eight hour movement day or if like if you're climbing a mountain for example that yeah yeah like if you're pushing yourself you're pushing yourself and you're gonna get exhausted like yeah burnout th- is this real. feels like a really this feel I, I love these exhaustion rules like they, they i think i think they're really elegant i, I, don't, mm-hmm. I like the way that they they seem to impact martial and spellcasting characters pretty equally, which I like. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, that, that's... that's an hour. Um, I think we've covered pretty much everything. An hour goes by quick when we're uh, when we're talking, eh? Yeah, hundred um, percent. That's nice. Yeah, we we were recording a little bit of our, our earlier conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're still at an hour. Um, Very yeah. nearly approaching it. Mm-hmm. Any any takeaways? Any final conclusions you wanted to to leave with? Um, you know what? I mean, it looks like, uh, things, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the overall vibe of this one, uh, this, this UA is better than the earlier ones we were seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously there's like a couple of like weird things that we're not sure about, uh, yeah. but things I think feel a bit more grounded and there's like, it feels like there's more reasoning to things, uh, than, you know, prior changes, uh, which, you know, just felt kind of like what the fuck is happening. Um, yeah. So I mean I I'm I'm really I guess excited about that. It seems like they're being more intentional. It seems like they're being careful. I feel like Wizards of the Coast is really like you know trying hard to make sure that they they have everything exactly 
as best as possible that they can have for this new edition because if they don't their company is kind of fucked yeah they want to they want to earn back some some goodwill for yeah. sure and what i'll say um, is i mean like you know to a certain degree if if this is the kind of quality that we're seeing before and and this or this is the baseline of the quality that we see moving forward this is going to be a really amazing uh book that i'm going to steal Agreed. I think this is this is definitely. I still have some mixed feelings about it, but I think this is definitely the strongest base we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And honestly, cool. it makes me like more than the other ones. It makes me excited to see what comes next. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I'm excited to see. There is. We'll, we'll leave with this. Um, there is a small tease um, under the rules changes. Um, all it says is that um, short swords are now simple weapons instead of martial weapons that's it um but then there's a design note here that says the upcoming article on warrior classes will introduce new weapon options those what options will differentiate weapons from each other more clearly for example the short sword and the scimitar will play different roles to play in the, will have different roles to play in the game which is a really exciting sentence to me um so we'll have to see how that plays out when the warrior classes come out okay this is um, exciting because if, if they start to introduce some nuance and in how Instead of just like, oh, you get to pick if you do bludgeoning or piercing or slashing damage, which I will reiterate does not matter in almost any circumstance. No. Um, if the weapons actually get some diversity, then I, I, I can't wait to see how they pull that off. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I would settle just for the spear and the trident to not be exactly the same <laughs> fucking weapon. <laughs> the only fucking the only difference the only difference between the spear and the trident is that one is a simple weapon and one is a martial weapon. Now, and this is actually hilarious because I will say um the they did Arata um Polar Master to work with the spear but not with the trident. Yeah, it makes me so mad. So the si- the simple <laughs> spear is actually a better weapon than the trident mm-hmm. if, if you take a if you take a specific feat. Yeah. And other than yeah. that, they're the exact fucking same. Yeah, it's so funny. It makes me so mad. Anyway, I don't... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think there's, uh, there's definitely a lot to look forward to here, for sure. Yeah. It'll be fun to see what cool. happens next month. Well, I mean, next month, give or take a month. Because <laughs> it did take a while for this article to come out. But that was, you know, there was a lot of controversy going on. Yeah. And if, uh, if you haven't caught our last episode, just go listen to that so you get caught up. Um, cool. Is there anything you wanted to plug this week, Doug? Uh, yeah, I mean, as always, uh, you can check out my other work, uh, the Samaritan Soapbox. Uh, the links will be, I guess, down below in the, in the job description, or not job description. The job um, description. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, can you tell I've been applying to internships nonstop? I um, can. Yeah. I can. So, uh, yeah, in, in the, in the show notes, uh, down below, show description, uh, have the notes for, uh, Samaritan Soapbox. Um, yep. yeah, if you like, uh, you know faith and justice and uh all that cool cool jazz all that nerdy theology stuff uh if you also dislike the paladin because of the way it colors uh theology then yeah maybe that'll be something you want to check <laughs> that out if that appeals to you <laughs> yeah then go check yeah. out samaritan soapbox um yeah what about you jason uh as always front porch music is uh popping off uh we just had graham scott fleming on the show he's fantastic um i was lucky enough to meet him at a show last year. Uh, just a really nice guy. He used to be on Broadway, and now he is a Canadian country artist who is playing at Boots and Hearts. So, um, really, really interesting dude. Yeah, 100%. Um, definitely recommend. Definitely recommend checking out that episode. It's really, really good. It also opens with one of my favorite cold opens that I've done for any of the episodes so far. So <laughs> I won't spoil it, but definitely go listen to that episode. Um, Sounds awesome. As for us uh instagram and twitter at cwtpod uh give us a follow is the easiest way to uh get updated about when episodes come out other than subscribing or following or whatever the terminology is on whatever podcast situation you're listening to (laughs) definitely Uh, if you're on spotify or apple podcast or whatever other system that podcasts go to um, rate us, review us, give us a hundred stars, and um, yeah, that would be really helpful. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to uh, to plug one last thing. Actually, just uh, just for the, oh, yeah, the fun of it. it. 
Um, uh, as as many of our listeners know, uh, if not all of them, this is of course a Canadian podcast, Canadian produced That's podcast. Right. Um, and so I would like to, uh, I guess, just like plug another like D and D Canadian podcast uh, that I've been listening to a lot. It's an actual play podcast. It's called The Die as Cast. Um, and it's a bunch of, uh, you know, funny theater nerds out of Alberta, uh, playing D and D together. Um, yeah, they, uh, have been, I, I've just been starting to listen to it recently and it's, uh, it's, it's really good and I love to see Canadian content. So people should check them out. I'll tell you what, I have not heard of that yet. This is the first time hearing of it and I will definitely go check it out as soon as I can because that seems very cool. Yeah. And if you come across any of their, uh, ads on social media, then, uh, you'll probably recognize the design of it because, uh, they use the same, uh, app that we do for oh, yeah. their, yeah, very like, nice. uh, wavelength videos. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Yep. Well, yeah, shout out shout out that for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, uh thanks so much for listening to another episode of Cast Without Trace. Again, we really appreciate uh anyone who takes the time out of their day to check us out and hear us ramble about uh D&D for an hour or more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Thanks so much for listening and we will we will catch you next time. And then next time we'll say bye. Bye.